want to be able to tell people how much I love him, don't you? Hallelujah. I was reading Song of Solomon, and uh, I was talking to our evangelist, and I said, uh, what do you think of this verse here? He said, you know, I've never preached a, a sermon from the Song of Solomon. And uh, I think it's such a lovely book, really, because it expresses feelings. And, you know, most of us men, we're very... Uh, slow at expressing our feelings. Women are more given over to feelings. And I, I guess it didn't surprise me when I found here this scripture, and it starts out with the daughters of Jerusalem asking a question of the Shulamite, or the one who represents the church. Let's open our Bibles to chapter 5, Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon. I'll give you a chance to find it. I've been talking a lot here just so that you would have a chance to find it. I know it's not a book that everybody reads every day. Hallelujah comes right after Ecclesiastes. Oh, yeah, that's another one I don't know, read very often. Okay. comes right after Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. If you can't find that, open to Psalms. That's halfway in the middle of the book, and then start with Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Hallelujah. Praise God. Verse 9, chapter 5. What is your beloved more than any other beloved? O fairest among women, what is your beloved more than any other beloved? That you so charge us, or you so adjure us. What is your beloved so, why is he so great that you would Adjure us about your beloved. And then the Shunammite, uh, Shulamite answers, My beloved is white and ruddy. Chief among ten thousand, his head is like the finest gold. His locks are wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the rivers of water, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are like a bed of spice, like banks of scented herbs. His lips are lilies, dripping liquid myrrh. His hands are rods of gold set in burl. His body is carved ivory, inlaid with sapphires. His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of fine gold. His countenance is like Lebanon, exceed, uh, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. Yes, 
He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Heavenly Father, I pray that the word of God tonight would just minister to each of our hearts, that tonight we would look upon Jesus, that in our mind's eye we would see our beloved, that tonight we would fall more in love with Jesus, and the words would speak to our hearts and affect us that God emotionally we'd get stirred up that God you might be able to speak to us in a way that you normally haven't spoke that God you draw us to yourself and that tonight the Holy Spirit would minister to each one of us would you anoint this preacher to preach now in Jesus' name? Amen. Hallelujah. Someone said, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And it kind of reminds me of a draftee uh, that was being drafted into the army. And he claimed exemption for poor eyesight. And he even brought his wife along to prove it. In verse 9, the uh, daughters of Jerusalem ask a question here. Why is your beloved more than any other beloved, O fairest among women? And of course, we know that the Shulamite is a form of the church. She, this is like a love letter between the church and Jesus Christ. And she's raving about her lover. And someone takes her to task on it. I mean, why is he so much greater than our lovers? And a lot of times when we go out to minister, you know, the world takes us to task. Why is your lover so much greater than our lover's? And then in verses 10 through 16, the bride sets forth a detailed answer and she describes his person and accounts for her fascination uh, that he has brought to her. And she then sums it up in verse 16. She's just run out of words. She's tried to describe him in, with, with the most beautiful words she can lay a hold of and uh, how many of you know that he wasn't really carved in ivory and all this you know she's, she's grasping for words to describe how beautiful her lover is and finally in verse 16 she says he's, he's just altogether lovely just altogether I mean there's nothing no defects. He's altogether lovely. And this is 
I, I like it. He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend. And when I read those words, I said, yes. 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 That describes it. Jesus, he's altogether lovely. And he's my beloved, and he's my friend. Hallelujah. You see, Christ is altogether lovely and desired for what he is in himself. In his person, in his character. Christ commands and attracts the love of all who believe. And there's a beauty that goes beyond physical description. This type of beauty is most uh, perfectly manifested in the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know that, that uh, when you fall in love with a person, not everybody's going to agree with you that they're lovely. But to you, they're the most lovely person you ever laid eyes on. I mean, you just ask any girl that gets Twitter-pated about this time of year. That's what Bobby said. She said at Zion, all, all, the, girl, all the people are getting Twitter-pated. That, that's, that's what they said in Bambi's movie, you know, when all the animals got Twitter-pated, they... They started pairing off. But when you get infatuated, when you fall in love, all of a sudden, there, you don't have eyes for anybody else. I mean, love uh, really gets a hold of you, right, Kathy? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. And uh, this goes beyond the physical description. I mean, to you, this guy's a hunk, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. And this type of beauty is most perfectly manifested in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a beauty that goes beyond description. Hallelujah. Other, others have this type of beauty, but everyone else has defects. But Jesus don't have any defects. He's perfect. Hallelujah. In him alone is the virtues uh, presented and completed. He alone has a has a a beauty that goes beyond any words that would describe the beauty that he presents. When I try to try to praise Jesus, I run out of words. I have to start praising in tongues because I run out of words. He's altogether lovely. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. There's no blemishes. He's above all praise and he's free from all blame. Hallelujah. Psalm 45 and verse 2 says, the psalmist says, You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. He's fairer than the sons of men. There never was, there never will be anyone like Jesus. He's one of a kind, hallelujah. He's altogether lovely. That's why I can brag about my Jesus. That's why I can uh, go out there and tell people about my Jesus and not be ashamed. He's more than anything that I could ever tell about. Oh, hallelujah. This beauty was uh, inward and spiritual. It wasn't outward and physical. You say, how do you know that? Well, if you go over to Isaiah 53 with me, Isaiah 53 Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been uh, revealed for he has grown up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground he has no form or comeliness in other words, no stately form or splendor. And when we see him, there is no beauty that is in appearance that we should desire him. He's just an ordinary man. But inwardly and, and spiritually, he is beautiful. Hallelujah. He's altogether lovely. Amen? Hallelujah. Christ is altogether lovely and desired for what he has already done. Hallelujah. You know, I wonder about a lot of things. There's a lot of things that I'm just not sure of. But there's one thing that I really know beyond any shadow of a doubt. I know that Jesus loves me. Amen? I don't have to wonder. I don't have to question. I know that Jesus loves me. You could say the same thing. Jesus loves me. Hallelujah. You know how I know he loves me? For he died for me while I was yet a sinner. He didn't wait until I got good enough. He loved me before I was born. He is the lamb that's slain from the foundation of the earth. He had such a love for us that he came to this earth and he was born in a rotten old stable. 
and he lived a life where he didn't have a home where he, he, he wandered about and, and uh, he said the foxes have holes and the birds have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head and he suffered a contradiction of men for me for me he was willing to stand up there and let him pluck the beard out of his face to slap him in the face to, to uh, put a crown of thorns down around his ears and, and the Judean thorns sticking into his head and the blood rolling and have his back slashed to pieces for me. Hallelujah. He not only loves me, I know he's going to love me to the very end. Hallelujah. The text says, this is my friend. He's not only my lover, he's my friend. Sometimes I refer to my wife as my best friend. She is. Next to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, earthly friends will fail you. Earthly friends will run out on you. Earthly friends will betray you. But I want to tell you something. Jesus never fails. I love that song. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. I don't know the rest of the words, but it's beautiful. Yes. Yes, Jesus never fails. Praise God. I'm glad that there's something I can lean upon. Someone that I can trust. Amen? He never fails. He'll never leave you, nor forsake you, never run out on you, never cast you off for someone else. He's altogether lovely. Hallelujah. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times. You know, earthly friendships sometimes are conditional. In fact, most times they're conditional. It's conditional on whether or not you love them. But you know, Jesus loved me even when I didn't love him. Did you know that? He loved me and he kept me and he wooed me until I couldn't help but accept him. He's altogether lovely. He's my friend. Proverbs 18.24 says, There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Have you ever had family fail on you? Boy, you think of all people, family would never fail you, right? I mean, after all, flesh and blood. But I want to tell you, there's someone that sticks closer than a brother. 
Oh, hallelujah. <clears throat> Turn to John 15, verse 13. No, I didn't. John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. How many will agree with that? That is the greatest display of love that anyone could display, to lay down his life for his friends. Look at the next verse. You are my friend. If you do whatsoever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. Friendship with Jesus, fellowship divine. Oh, what blessed sweet communion. Jesus is a friend of mine. Hallelujah. This is my lover. He's my friend. How can I deny him? How can I not share with you how great he is? I love him. I've got to share it with someone. I'm in love with Jesus. I can remember when I fell in love with my wife. I, when, it, when it first started, I couldn't shut up. I had to go and tell everybody how pretty she was, how beautiful she was. Come on, guys. Isn't that true? And the girls. Oh, you ought to see this guy I met. <laughs> Come on, right? You can't think of anything else. You want to tell somebody. Well, that's what was going on here with the Shulamite. She was so in love with Jesus that she had to tell somebody. Hallelujah. This is my friend. No one's ever loved you like Jesus loves you. Maybe you're, you're here tonight and you haven't, you haven't got the slightest idea of what I'm talking about. Well, I want to tell you, anyone that would save me from the, the road that I was traveling down had to have love for me. Jesus loved me and he does love me and he still loves me and he will love me forever. And you can have that love. And he wants you to share that love. Amen? He's altogether lovely. He gave himself for you and for me. And B.F. Meyer wrote these words. He said, Oh, friend of God, why do you not make more of your transcendent privileges? Why do you not talk to him about 
all that worries, worries and wearies you as freely as Abraham did, telling him about his Ishmael and, and his lots and his dealings. Why do you not fall on your face while God talks with you? Life should be one long talk between God and us. Let me ask you a question. What kind of a friend never takes time to talk to each other? What kind of friendship is that? Jesus is our friend. And he wants to talk to you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to hear about... You know, girls are really good at this. Now listen, guys, you can learn something from this. Well, I'm telling you, they don't have any secret between close pals. I'm telling you, if there is anything, anything whatsoever, they share it. Guys, we could learn something. You know, sometimes we're closed-mouthed, closed you know, when it comes to sharing with a friend. But not girls. Boy, they just pour it all out. <laughs> and they get all sobby and they cry and they hug each other. Well, that's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to just tell him everything that's upsetting us. Everything that we're concerned about. He just wants to love you and he wants to put his arms around you and hold you and comfort you. You see, he's altogether lovely. And the best part of it is, he's not only my lover, he's my friend. Hallelujah. Praise God. Nothing kindles love like love. We should love him because he first loved us. Amen? And last of all, Christ is altogether to be loved and desired as the Savior of the world. And I want to tell you, if you are possessed by the Spirit of God, if the Spirit of God, if Jesus Christ lives in your heart, the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, then you are going to be drawn to share your affections because God is love God is love we're not going to be selfish we're going to be concerned about others we feel spiritual power when Jesus is filled when we're filled with Jesus and the Holy Spirit we feel power 
just leading us to self-sacrifice. Because it's the same spirit that led Jesus to sacrifice. How many of you know that true love has to make sacrifices? It can't be all taken, no give. It just doesn't work that way. Hallelujah. We love the Lord because he pitied us and died for us. Our love for Christ is not pure. Our love is not perfect. But we must reach out to others with the same love whereby he loved us. He's the Savior of the world. And he's got love that he wants to share with a dying world. And the way he does it is through us. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I could pick on Brenda and have her quote the whole thing for me because she's learned it so diligently. But I won't because she gets embarrassed. So turn there with me. And uh, I know all our missionettes could do this. But I'll, I'll just let you read along with me. See, there was a, a woman who, who was in Bob Schuler's church, Robert Schuler's church. And she was going to go as a missionary to Mexico. And she did. She went down and she spent the rest of her life in Mexico. And she was a, a successful missionary in Mexico. And one of the things that made her successful was this. She took 1 Corinthians 13, and she went down through there, and everywhere that it says uh, love for, well, let me give you, for instance, right here. Verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and next she, she would write in there, but have not love for the Mexicans. I have become a, as sounding brass and as a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could uh, remove mountains, but have not love for the Mexicans, I'm nothing. And she believed that she had to have this love for the Mexicans. She prayed for the Mexicans and prayed that she'd have that love for those Mexicans. That's why she was successful. Let's read it this way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not love for the people of Seneca Falls and Waterloo, I'm nothing. Though I have... I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love for the men and the women and the children of Seneca Falls. I have become as sounding brass and as a tinkling cymbal. And pray that until God so gets a hold of your heart 
that you have to share the love whereby he loves you with someone else. The secret to this whole thing is falling in love with Jesus. I believe that evangelism can be completed in our lifetime if we had enough people falling in love with Jesus. Amen? I believe this decade of harvest can really be a success, not because of programs, but because people fall in love with Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm going to do uh, something here. I want Pat to come to the piano. <clears throat> and you know, uh, sometimes it's not the message. Okay, if the message didn't stir you, that's all right. But when I give an altar call, it's because you want to and because you should, you should come to the altar, all right? I want you to come to the altar tonight not to please me. If you're going to come to the altar to please me, just stay in your seat. But I want you to come to the altar and I want you to reach out to your friend. Reach out to your lover. And I just want you to tell him how much you love him. And I want him to be able to tell you how much he loves you. And I want you to just spend time with your lover and be filled with so much love for Jesus Christ during these few minutes that when you go out there tomorrow on the street, you've got to share it with someone because you love him. Hallelujah. Amen? That's the way to evangelize this city. That's the way to win souls for Jesus Christ. This Shunammite couldn't shut up and I can't shut up either because I've been with Jesus and I know in whom I believe. I know that he loves me and I love him and I want to do something for him. Will you come to the altar? Will you come up and spend some time with Jesus? Hallelujah.